Welcome uh, to the 13th episode of the DOS Game Club. Um, this uh, is about the month January, uh, in which we've played the game Heroes of Might and Magic. Uh, I'm Martijn, Tyn on the forums, and I am not going to talk about this alone. Um, I'm here with uh, Florian. Hey. And David is also here. Hi again. And Otvar is joining us. Hello. And newly joining us is uh, Joshua. Hello. Hey. Um, yeah, Josh, you've actually been a long-time member. I have. Uh, one, one of the first, I think, actually. Um, and you've been hanging out on our, on our chat channel since forever. Since forever. Yeah. So now you've actually joined the show. So that's great. Thanks. Yeah, it's always cool to hear new people joining us and, and talking with us. So it's not the same pool of people over and over. I'm not criticizing. <laughs> David. <laughs> third time. The third time. Um, right. So we should talk about uh, Heroes of Might and Magic, I suppose. So, yeah, let's do that. I would start by asking the one who suggested this game uh, why they picked it. Um, in this case, though, I suggested the game myself. So Wait, we had that situation before, and then I was to ask you. Mm. So let me ask you, uh, who, who, who picked this game for us? Uh, I think it was Martin. <laughs> yes, it, 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 it was in fact me, Florian. Yes. So wh why did you pick the game? Did you play it before? What was your reason? I had no idea. It was just a random pick on the list. No, no, no. I played this before loads of times, actually. Um, I, I, well, it, that's not completely, that's not the complete story. Um, I played loads of uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 2. Um, this was the game that really got me uh, hooked. And I played countless hours of it back in the day. Just, I think it was in 96 when it was released. I think I played it right away. 
Um, and then later, uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 3 was released. And, and yeah, I was massively into this series at that point. So I, I played them all. I played part three. I played part four, part five. So huge Heroes of Might and Magic fan for a long time. Um, but before uh, we've played the game in January for the club, I don't think I've ever really played the first one. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So I have I've played it before, but also I haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least you were lucky in this series, because I think it got better and better over time. At least that's what people tell me. And mm. uh, there were other games in the same genre that were not so lucky. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's really just a straight line up. Um, for me personally, this, the second game, The Heroes of Might and Magic 2, that's my favorite still. Uh, it might also be nostalgic in part because it was the first one I played. Um, they did improve things. I did, they, they tried to improve things anyway. The, so the, the graphics improved and they made things larger and, and more epic. But um, yeah, I'm not, I, I know part three has a lot of fans as well. And, and that's really nicely executed. But I think by the time they released the fourth and the fifth and the sixth one, it also dwindled down again, the, the fan base. So I'm not sure if it's really just improvement, but, well, <laughs> they did try to keep, yeah, release new stuff. Um, although I say new stuff, but actually all the games are completely similar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they even look pretty similar. You look at the screenshots and it looks like uh, they just maybe erased the resolution and uh, that's all. But in, in fact, I didn't play any game except for the one we played in January. So hmm. who knows? Not me. Yeah, because you you haven't played it before. No, I had no idea what the game was about. Uh, of course, I had heard the, the name several times before and I never bothered to look it up. And then people started telling me, hey, this is a really cool game and... We should play it for DOS Game Club, and then was the first time I actually tried the game. Cool, cool. Um, well, did any of you guys play it before? I never did. You never... Uh, did you hear about it? Uh, I mean, I definitely heard about Heroes of Might and Magic, because it's just an enormous franchise. Hmm. And I think I'd watched some, like, videos or trailers of some of the, hmm. like, more recent ones. But never really... But yeah. I never actually played any of them. Hmm, that's, that's cool. Uh, and David also never played one before, I think. Yeah, so I had um, in this big box collection of uh, some publishers' games that uh, my uncle came round with once. So I had played Heroes 3 before, uh, mm. but I was young, I didn't really get it. Uh, my memory of it was just sending troops into battle. The computer said, you have no morale, so you can't move. I have high morale, you just burst everything in my team. Uh, you have no points go away. Uh, and mm. that was pretty much my limit of my experience with the game. Um, but this time around, uh, it was a chance to actually uh, look at how the game worked and actually get quite into it. Yeah. Yeah. And also starting with the first one in the series is probably less overwhelming, I think. Because Possibly, they just, yeah. Yeah. They just kept adding stuff. So if you start in the middle, then there's a lot of things to... Uh, understand and 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 try to wrap your head around mm -hmm. so so yeah um otvar did you play it before yes i played uh the first one and the second one quite a lot i remember many 
uh, evenings and afternoons spent trying to, you know, dominate uh, uh, one of the random maps or just playing with friends in a sort of a hot seat fashion. Um, looking at screenshots and stuff, I don't think I've played much after that. Uh, I thought I played the mm. third one as well, but looking at screenshots, it doesn't ring a bell. And uh, mm. I read on a forum, someone said, hang on, wh- why is it when we talk about Heroes of Much Magic, no one mentions, uh, you know, Heroes 4 and above? So I think I think they kind of took it to a different direction after that, and uh, you know the core fans just just um, went back to the first three. Yeah, yeah, that's that's also what happened to me. Um, I I played them all, but but after checking out the new ones, I just played the old ones again. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at the um, the screenshots, um, the, the I mean four, five, six, or whatever, they they all look nice, but um, yeah, I think they probably changed the. Um, gameplay too much so that it's no longer what you were used mm. to but um, yeah maybe it's it's fun if you if you can sort of not have the nostalgic you know it's not mm. the same as the first one um, yeah but yeah, I don't know yeah well I think we'll we'll talk more in depth about the later games uh, later on um, but mm-hmm. um, was was did you play it um, recently again, or was it a long time ago that you played it? Yeah, no, I haven't played it in a long time, but I was um, looking forward to the the vote, uh, the, this game winning the vote because I really wanted to play it again. And uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun, but it's also <laughs> super frustrating in many ways. But uh, I think that's <laughs> that's the case with a lot of these old games. Um, yeah, that's the way of the DOS game. That's <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, but I think it's it's got such a cool, um, you know, way of uh, the gameplay is such a cool mix of you know, sort of strategic build your town and then build your army and then explore and there's just so much to mm. it. And uh, you know, just little touches like you can uh, you can dig for artifact, you can do like cast um, spells on the on the map itself, and there's just so much, so many details to it. Uh, I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was was there something you noticed now comparing to uh, your memories of the game? Um, I don't know. I think I think maybe as a as a kid, I probably played on a on a easier difficulty because it felt like it was more of a struggle now. Mm. Like if you don't have a good start, if you lose your hero because you slightly underestimate um, some some creature gang or whatever, you can you can be set back so much that it's really a struggle to come back. Um, but um, yeah, back in the day, I guess I would just reload and and continue. Mm. And um, maybe maybe because I played on an easier difficulty, it was it was easier and you know kind of more enjoyable. But at the same time, you know these days I have to go for the uh, for the hard, harder option. Mm. I I actually had the same thing. Um, I I was used to playing Heroes of Might and Magic two, and I get the impression now that maybe that one is a slightly easier, or at least you have. Uh, difficulty options with uh, I don't know what what it defaults to, but maybe it's it's easier by default, something like that. But I, I had, had the same experience that that this game is quite tough actually. It's uh, yeah, you really have to. Get... Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I I, I save scum to the entire way through it. <laughs> well, I say the entire way. I got up to mission four, but uh, you know, it was, I, I enjoyed it while it lasted. Yeah. Yeah, this game doesn't... Uh... You guys are mentioning difficulty levels. Are they uh, selectable in the campaign? Or what are you talking about? Because I don't remember being able to set any difficulty. I think they're only selectable in the standard game mode. I see. It, it might be uh, a Heroes 2 thing, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I I think it's uh, definitely available in later versions of the game. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, this is definitely a game where you can save and load a lot if you're playing yeah. against a computer. But I think it, I think I played a lot um, multiplayer or like hot seat when I was uh, younger, and obviously mm. you can't <laughs> you can't uh, <laughs> save them. And no, yeah. <laughs> I also played uh, a lot of multiplayer. By the way, this is a really fun game to play in a local area network, uh, or also hot seat just on the same machine. Uh, I used to play with my sister, who is uh, mm. four years younger than me. So, yeah, it was really easy. <laughs> That's how you adjust the difficulty. Play against an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Does your sister listen to our podcast? Um, not, not. I might not tell her now. <laughs> um, yeah, we maybe we should talk a little bit about about the gameplay, so we can explain also a bit what the game is really about. So. We, all, we quickly mentioned that there's a standard game and there's also a campaign and there's multiplayer. So these are really the three uh, ways you can play the game. Um, who played the standard game? I did. So what's the standard game? So as far as I can tell, the standard games are kind of similar to how the campaign games are, except they're not like fit into a narrative mm. but they're sort of kind of a half scenario right where they'll have like a less a less in universe appropriate map like there's one that's meant to look like uh England I think mm. and there's another one there's Gringo Land <laughs> which is a strangely familiar land according to the in-game flavor text mm, right <laughs> stuff like that basically yeah, so it's a, you play a single map. That's really what it is. Yeah, and it has a little story, but it's not. Yeah, doesn't really uh, go really in depth. It's just a skirmish game, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so in the standard game, you can choose your difficulty. I think. Um, yeah, you can choose um, the intelligence level of all four of the enemies and how many of the enemies there are from one other to three others right and uh you can also make it so they all team up against you or they also fight each other right yeah and there's uh small maps and and large maps uh so you can you can sort of determine how long the game will take uh based on that i think yeah yeah um so that's a standard game uh, oh, and you can't you can't actually choose uh, your own class, can you? Um, I don't think you can in the standard games. Right. So you're you're assigned a class, uh, and it's basically just random. You you discover what you are playing with as the game starts, because you're starting town. That will be, yeah. That's 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 yeah. the class. Yeah, exactly. Um. Now, with the campaign, that's actually a difference with the campaign, because I think the campaign starts with asking which uh, which class you want, or which, yeah, what does it say? Which lord you want to be? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so who played the campaign? I did. I did, uh, I did as well, yeah. So, yeah, everyone played the campaign. <laughs> I, I also played the campaign, by the way. Uh, so, who wants to explain what the campaign is? Not all at once, please. I can have a go, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the campaign seems to be uh, very loosely connected. The, you don't carry anything over between levels. It seems to be uh, eight, I think, separate missions, which 
approximately increase in difficulty as you go. Right. There is one thread that runs through them, which is that uh, the day of the week and uh, how much time you've taken carries over uh, from level to level. Right. And uh, because uh, because you only get new units every seven days, uh, that can affect uh, the timing of later missions, and I think you're scored at the very end on how long it took to complete the whole campaign. Yes. Oh, yes, really? That's... I didn't realize that you um, that the current day of the week would carry over to the next level. That's a very odd choice, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Yeah, you can actually use this as a sort of strategic mm -hmm. thing because... You get new units on uh, day one of the week. So if you finish the previous campaign on day seven, then you get a, a, a new round of units immediately after just one day instead of waiting a whole week. So you can sort of use this to get a lot of units right away. Or actually you can wait a little and then uh, have some buildings set up so you, you get lots of units instead of just for the few buildings that you have. So, yeah, you can sort of... Yeah, it's a weird strategy thing, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And but yeah, the enemies would also get more units as well, though. Mm. That's true. Yeah, yeah, because and, at the start of the week, everyone gets units. And you guys were talking about um, the storyline of the campaign, but the story is really thin, isn't it? It's it, like, it really um, is. With games, it's very thin. <laughs> with, with games that we played before, like Doom or Commander Keen, there's really just a bit of text that uh, introduces you to the mission, and then during the mission, there's nothing. And then in the end, you get the next mission. Yeah. So there's not really a lot of, of storytelling going on in the game. Mm -hmm. No, I, I also don't understand the, the, the story at all. I've been playing this game forever and I can't make sense because there's, you are lords, but there's also a king or something, or there's, there's someone pitting you against each other or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You're fighting to, to uh, split up the land or something, but I don't know. It seems that you're just four guys with four sets of land, but somehow you get to get into a war, and I'm not completely sure. <laughs> yeah, who's who's benefiting from that at all? But yeah, I don't know. And if you lose, you you get this weird uh, cinematic where your head gets chopped off or something, which is shown from first person. That's one of the oddest <laughs> <laughs> scenes I've seen in a game, really. Yeah, you have this giant, what's it called? A guillotine, right? Yeah. You have this giant knife that, that comes at you. And that's, who does that? Who may, Who is, I mean, literally, whose guillotine is that? Is that really a first person? I think it's, you see it from third person, isn't it? Have I just never lost? Well, you don't, you don't see yourself. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. You are weirdly looking up at the blade rather than down at the ground. Yeah. But. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you're 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 tough like that. Yeah, you you stare it. You stare <laughs> it's into it. It's extra terror. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the campaign is just it's eight levels, uh, and then they get yeah they get more difficult as David mentioned. Uh, it's not completely a straight line. I think there are quite a few bumps along the way, uh, and then level seven is weirdly easy. But yeah, in general, it's a. Uh, it's a it's a lineup, and 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 the campaign is actually um, you can choose uh, with which lord, which class you you play with, uh, but the campaign remains the same. Um, it's the same eight levels. Uh, it doesn't matter who you pick, except for one level, um, because at one point you play 
against each of the other classes and and so you don't you don't play against yourself mm -hmm. so you skip one level there there's really nine levels and eight out of those you uh, is is a campaign for you so there's not a huge replayability thing going on there but still no, I, mm -hmm. i guess the game gets its replayability from the standard game hmm. yeah and the multiplayer of course of course uh, which takes hours <laughs> Yeah, we've tried a multiplayer game, haven't we, uh, Florian? Yeah, and as I said, it took hours. Um, but yeah. te technically, it worked really well with DOSBox. So hmm. even after my computer crashed, uh, we could still continue the same game without losing even a single turn, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it saved the game and I was not. Uh, it was not looking really good for me. So I, I tried to pretend there was no save game, but then <laughs> I... Couldn't, yeah, I couldn't straight up lie either. So yeah, we we continued, and it actually it it worked out because I I won it. So yeah, yeah, you you, you had to tell everyone, right? Well, I wouldn't tell. <laughs> I wouldn't start about this anyway if I hadn't won, would mm. I? So <laughs> yeah, that's re that's that's really impressive because uh, my memory of multiplayer games at the time is that they were just so fragile. Yeah, if uh, you missed one packet off the modem, then it would just uh, desynchronize and crash. Yeah. Uh, but that's very impressive. Yeah, definitely. I guess the turn-based nature of this game just allows them to synchronize the whole game on every frame and make sure you get the full new game state before they even continue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's it's not as fragile as uh, Command and Conquer, for example, which I remember getting continuous desynchronizations when I played it part three, I think, back in the day. And yeah, uh, yeah, no, it was fine technically, um, although it only supported two. Uh, players, weirdly. Uh, yeah, that, that's a strange choice again. Yeah, I I think they just copied the logic from the modem play. Uh, I think that's what they did. So the the modem play, and the, there's also a direct uh, connection if you have two computers connected with a serial cable. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they just copied that logic, which naturally supports two players, and then just slapped uh ipx support on it and then yeah you have two players there as well for no reason at all because uh because the hot seat multiplayer actually supports up to four players uh same number as in the standard game mm -hmm. so yeah i guess maybe it has to do with the architecture so they didn't have to decide which game which which player is master and they would just be able to synchronize the whole state between two machines and synchronizing between more than two machines may have been too much Technically, for them, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because one player still says he's the host and the other has to be the guest. So... Uh, true. But mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think later games in the series do support uh, more people over uh, over local area network. So this was something that was fixed later on. But the first game, just two players, which is... Uh, and and I'll, yeah, we, we played on the small map... And it still took us four hours, I think, for a single game. Yeah, at least. And um, I think I didn't see more than maybe an eighth or so of the whole map. And <laughs> yeah, it's it takes ages. I mean, it's, it probably yeah. doesn't take as long as it would take uh, to play a game of Civilization or Master of Orion. Hmm. But it still took a lot of time. Hmm. Yeah, because it's it's one of those games, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's one of those one more turn. <laughs> yeah, uh, it really is. 4X strategy games. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd remembered it uh, falsely as being an RPG, but it really is a lot more like uh, Civilization. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think maybe more people are confused because it has the Might and Magic name, uh, which is an RPG series. So maybe that's this... right. That's right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually realize at first that there was a separate series that was just called Might and Magic. Uh, ah. and that, that was a that was a real RPG thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is, I I think that's a huge franchise as well. The the Might and Magic. I uh, how how many games are there in that series? Like something like eight or something. That's a huge at least. Uh... Yeah, there's it's a huge series. So, and then the Heroes of Might and Magic is actually a completely different game. Uh, ten. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, but the Heroes games they have they have basically nothing to do with Might and Magic except that maybe they share the universe. Mm -hmm. I'm not completely sure. I think uh, it's the same. Is both from New World Computing, so I think that's the intention. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But they're they're gameplay wise they're completely different. Yeah. 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 So it's a it's a forex strategy game. Um. Oh. Is it really though? <laughs> well, I don't know. Is it? I mean, it's kind of is. There's resources, but it's um, it's I, I don't know. Forex. What? Um, so you have to explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate, right? That's mm -hmm. the that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess that that fits it quite well. Yeah. Yeah. So why the reservation? Why why wouldn't it be one? It doesn't feel like one. Maybe. Well, mm -hmm. because the combat is a lot more strategic than, say, Civilization, where you just sort of, you know, you have, it's like hmm. uh, attack against defense kind of thing. Here it's, you know, you can actually, if you have a flying unit, you can sort of just fly in a circle until um, <laughs> until the weaker unit is killed by your archers. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of things you can do and you can, you know, you have spells hmm. and you have everything. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's, it's definitely 4X thinking about it, but it, it has a lot of a very complex combat uh, part. Um, I mean, the, I guess the the city building part is more of a step-by-step. Um, step. Like you don't have to build everything, but it's not really like, you know, do I build this or do I build that? It's more, you know, do I want to um, invest the, the the needed money in order to be able to produce this unit? I mean, in, in the end, you know, if you... If you capture a lot of castles, you just you just build the the best units. You don't care for the sort of second level or third level. Well, at least I don't do it. But uh, you know, in Civilization, you you really have to choose what you want, which path you want to go. Yeah, uh, go down. Yeah. Um, yes, that's a good point because um, normally in 4X games, you can uh, you can add things to the map. You can't do that here. It's all predetermined. The villages are here. Uh, yeah. The bonuses are mm. here, and uh, that's. That's all. You can't add anything to the map. And uh, city building is quite linear. Mm. Uh, that you go from the lowest unit to the highest unit. There, there isn't a lot of choice as to yes, exactly. uh, which units. Yeah. And uh, you also avoid a you know slightly funny scenario where you uh, you know attack a tank with a with a um, chariot or something in Civilization, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I think I think that mix is, is what makes this game because um, I love the I love the city. You know, I think they look really nice, and you can you can you kind of you know build it the way you want it. Even though they're, all the buildings are in set locations, you don't need all of them. And uh, it's just a nice touch to make it like um, to to give you a view of the city um, instead of just having like a tick box. You have now built the you know. Uh, uh, barracks mm. or whatever mm -hmm. and uh, you know they all, all the different races have uh, different creatures and different cities and different options it's just such a diverse game and then you go in battle and it's actually a you know tactical challenge it's not just like you know do i have more 
uh, units than my opponent. Okay, then I win. It's very much a tactical thing. And I think those things to, together and, and added with the exploration part of it makes mm. it a really good game. Yeah. But you can play it the way that you just um, mass up lots and lots of your strongest unit and then you go from town to town and wipe away uh, the enemies. You can play it like that. Don't give away my tactic, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a good point you just raised as well, that the, there are almost... Uh, so many unnecessary graphics in this game. Uh, they, they really went above and beyond what they needed to do. They have these yes. full views of all the uh, cities and towns. They have this different crest for every possible combination of color and uh, hero type. Uh, every, everything like that. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like you know when you start if if you you know if you're into game dev and you start um, uh, brainstorming ideas, you're like, yeah, I want this, I want this, I want like different colored ice creams, I want you know sheds <laughs> of all the different <laughs> options. And like you, you, there's even a, almost a full um, set of creatures that are neutral. Like you have the ghosts and the genies and all that stuff. And it is—it's just so much stuff in the game that it's—it's it's really cool when you find them. But uh, yeah, like you say, they are completely uh, optional, if not—if not, you know, useless. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something like 30 different unit types. I did at first mock some of the unit type graphics because some of them are a bit incongruent with each other. But uh, honestly. 30 fully animated in-battle unit types is uh, hmm, yeah. its an impressive feat. Though not all of them look great, right? No, they definitely don't. <laughs> I think the something else that sets it apart for most 4X games that I know of is that those are more about like building up an empire, hmm. whereas the impression that I get from playing Heroes of Might and Magic is that you're not really building up an empire, you're really like just four dudes or ladies in a like a pre-existing empire that are just going at it like it's just a more self-contained skirmish or battle over yeah a little plot of land Mm -hmm. rather than like exploring a land and building up a full civilization yeah exactly um i I think that also shows in the way that you treat towns in the game in other 4x games when you lose um, a city or a planet that's that's often a very, very big cut into your um, power. And in this game, you lose a town and it doesn't really matter. You can just come back with your hero and uh, win it back. Yeah, you... So it's... Yeah, and then, and then nothing is really lost once you get it back. Yeah. Uh, unless maybe the enemy that had it in the meantime, uh, and it was uh, day one of the week and he bought all the units, then you lost something. But besides that... Even yeah. if you knock down all of the walls, it's still, yeah. it's still just fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's a it's a good tactic sometimes that when you see there's a strong enemy uh, hero approaching your town and you just abandon town with your not so strong hero and wait until you have more forces to take back the town. Hmm. So you're you're deliberately giving up the city so that you can uh, capture it back again later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's right because it splits their forces as well. They'll leave some of their army behind, so it splits it into two, which is often easier than fighting the whole thing. Although sometimes when you take back a town that was yours, you have to fight your own units. That's the feeling you have anyway. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is really, yeah, you, you know, you, you build the Black Tower in your uh, Warlock city and then the enemy <clears throat> managed to actually use your tower to build a dragon and then you have to fight your own dragon to get back. That's really a terrible feeling because I always feel 
that drag that's my dragon man i mean i'm yeah <laughs> so now i'm <laughs> like, fighting the dragon but actually that's my dragon i wanted to add like i wanted to recruit that dragon yeah exactly i wanted to use it and now i'm have to ah so yeah it does feel a bit different from from, uh, from other forex games and i think also the fact you can't build cities yourself uh that is there's a huge thing and also in most forex games it's not a very good tactic to uh, just build everything in every town, yeah. Uh, because you'll you'll drain your economy and and grind everything to a halt. But in this game, it's perfectly fine. You, actually, it's the preferred way. It's just to build everything everywhere. That's the way to go. Except for the thieves guild, maybe, and the shipyard. Mm. You don't need those anywhere. I think. Like, uh, I don't think you always need to buy like the second or third um, level of uh, units because. Ultimately, you don't ever use them, and it's it, it looks. I mean, it, it's not that expensive, so it's not like a massive fail or something. But certainly, in some of the levels mm. I played, um, trying to save some money in case I got attacked, I, I just didn't bother to buy the. You know, if you're a knight, the the sort of um, spearman and, and that kind of level, or the the dwarfs, if you're. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you might not use the units, but uh, often you do have to buy the structures to get to the uh, to get to the big units. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they're required in order to build more advanced buildings. So then you have to build them, even though you won't use them. Actually, um, this is uh, we're we're I think we're touching on an interesting subject here, which is um, for people who haven't played this game. Uh, it's called Heroes of Might and Magic because you mainly play using these heroes, which are guys on a horse, <laughs> and they uh, explore the map. That's that's what they do. But they take along units which are produced in the cities. But the interesting thing, that's what I wanted to say, is that the hero actually has uh, five slots for five different, or yeah, five units he can carry along with him. But um, each city uh, and there's four classes of cities so there's actually four uh yeah sets of units that can be built um, but there's six units of each mm -hmm. class so so for each class there's six different units produced but you can now only carry uh, five um so you have to make a bit of a yeah you have to make a decision uh, which which unit are you going to recruit into your army and which unit are you not going to bother with? It's not such so, a hard decision, though, is it? In yeah. most cases... Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it's very easy. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's pretty easy. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the thing is, you, you can also combine units. You don't have to have all the, from the same... Yes, um, yeah, you can mix them together, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the the point is, if you mix them together, you get uh, negative effects in terms of the morale and stuff. But yeah, because they're racists. <laughs> yes, <and> they hate <laughs> other classes. Are, are yeah. they really uh, racists, though? I mean, there are elves and dwarfs fighting in the same army. I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. But it, it, I think I quite like that. It's like if you can, is if you have a you know a loyal group of units, then they will do better than if you just have a bunch of uh, mer um, yeah. You know, uh, hired guns. Um, mm -hmm. Although I do really like the neutral ones, like the genie is amazing, uh, and uh, even the um, the uh, what is it? The uh, horse, the guy who on a horse with a oh, the nomad. nomad, nomad. Yeah, yeah. the nomad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I really like the nomads too. Yeah, they're actually very powerful. They're they're actually quite good. If you get a, a large group of nomads, then that's really something. 
Yeah, because they're really mobile and they have, I think, quite a high initiative so they can always take someone out before. Mm. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, essentially, I think they introduced this mechanic of uh, losing morale uh, when you mix units of different classes. They basically just did that. So you can't have an army uh, that consists of the best units of each class, right? Well, you can. Yeah, you can. You totally can. You just need a, an yeah. artifact of fire. <laughs> I don't think the morale pen penalty will be an actual problem when you run around with paladins and dragons and whatnot. <laughs> well, you say this, but if, if the morale is seriously low, then nobody will move. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> so you won't get a chance to use any of them. So, yeah. I think this is a really cool thing because it actually makes it, you know, if you only have heroes from one one town effectively, then you can actually... You actually get a benefit, which is great because you yeah. know, if you then meet a hero who has, you know, cho chosen and picked his own army, he might be at a, uh, at a slight disadvantage given that you you have, you know, all the guys from the same town. Yeah. But um, I think this this kind of stuff um, with all the, uh, you know, the morale uh, issues and also the luck thing and um, all the artifacts and all the things that can in impact this uh, the the combat, it, it's really impressive that this is the the first, well, okay, the second game in the series, because normally this is these are the kind of additions you see in the second game or the third game, hmm. but they have so many features in the first game, like uh, never mind the digging for artifacts, which I just think is a really cool feature, uh, but and even artifacts themselves, like this is so many things that, that they included in, in, I guess, the first Heroes of Might Magic, even yeah. though there was a King's Bounty before that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and even the King's Bounty includes a lot of this stuff. Uh, uh, I think the digging for artifacts is also in, in, in that game. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I think it's even the... Yeah, I think it's even the main goal is to find an artifact. Although I'm not completely sure. I, I, haven't, I have played it a little bit, but it was years ago, so I don't remember it perfectly. Um, there's also some big differences between King's Bounty and this game, but... Um, it's on a time limit, for example. Oh, okay. uh, in in King's Bounty, there's a yeah, there's a set number of moves, and then then the game is over. Uh, so you have to beat it before then, mm. I think. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the mechanics from this game are already in in uh, the King's Bounty, um, which was released uh, five years prior. So I think I think they just thought about this game for a long time. And then when they actually made it, they had all these ideas they wanted to put in. Um, and actually, that's one of the things that makes the game really cool, because I think David described it on the forums, that you go in and you feel maybe a bit overwhelmed because you don't <laughs> know what to do and there's all these options yeah. and you just don't know what mm -hmm. you're doing. But then, but then you get the hang of it and you maybe feel, wow, oh, this is actually a very simple game. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. But then you discover all these extra things and it becomes interesting again. So Yeah, that's absolutely right. The, uh, the battles, for example, uh, it seems at first that it's just about the speed and the power of the pieces, but uh, you've, got to, you've got to consider the size of pieces. Yeah. Uh, and how they move, the way that uh, if you have a piece adjacent to an enemy archer, then that blocks all the ranged attacks and so on. Um, so yeah, it starts off being extremely overwhelming. I didn't know what I was doing at all, then I went through the tutorial, got the hang of it, and then uh, you discover more as you go along. And uh, 
like I said, I thought I would hate this game uh, based on uh, my previous experience with it, but uh, it I ended up really liking it. It ended up wrecking my mm. week because uh, I was I was staying up till midnight just saying one more turn before I get this city. I've got to drive to daycare in five hours, but I can do it. Oh man. Midnight, that's nothing. I stayed up until <laughs> half past five in the morning to finish level two of the campaign. <laughs> level two took me forever also. Yeah, that's right. You mentioned the yeah. bump earlier, but uh, and uh, level one's very simple. Level two takes absolutely years. Level three yeah. is simple again, and then level... It, 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 alter, it alternates. Hang on, hang on. Level three is simple. Yeah, what? I'm still stuck on level three. Me too. <laughs> oh, I think, I think that... Um, a lot depends on luck on level three, uh, how quickly you can get to the artifact and uh, how quickly the computers can. Yeah, I, th I think that's true because I um, I had a bad start and I like thought, okay, should I just restart or, or load or something? But I, no, no, I, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do this as a as a grown up and not 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 the way I used to play it. So I'll I'll continue. <laughs> but then I think that backfired horribly oh. because then you just sort of struggle as a underdog for the rest of the game. And uh, actually, I lost because the the AI will actually dig for the artifact. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I was going to say that level three is actually super tricky <laughs> because you you think you might be doing really well and then all of a sudden an enemy uh, finds the artifact and then the whole game is over, just like that. Yeah, and so... you, can, you can't defend against that with saves coming either, like mm, I did, because no. uh, because you don't know how close they are. Yeah. Uh, what, I, what I ended up doing was... Uh, I just spread out as fast as I could, got all the obelisks I could, which reveal the map. Yeah. I got as far as just about knowing where it was, and then I just uh, got all my heroes into this big pile, dug with them while the enemies went on a shopping spree around my castles, just taking up all of them. Uh, uh, and, and I got it first, uh, just uh, by luck. Yeah, but I, I, think, I think that's kind of how you're supposed to play that level, yeah. because... It's very clear that the goal is to find the artifact. Like, you know, whoever finds the artifact is the lord of the isle or whatever it is. But yeah. uh, So if, if you actually play the game as it's supposed to be, then, then you win. If, if you play it like me, which is just, you know, get the biggest army ever seen and invade everything, <laughs> uh, then you lose because yeah. someone has found the artifact. Yeah, exactly. But it's also a bit unfair. In um, other games like Civilization, you will get a warning once the enemy is getting closer to a, a non-violent mm. victory condition like uh, player X has built the pyramids in I don't know New York and uh, <laughs> in this game you get nothing no there's no warnings mm -hmm. there's nothing but actually I think what David said is is the the, the the yeah the the proper strategy for this one is just to get a vague idea of where it is and then just move your heroes into that area because you can sort of defend it then then I mean the enemy cannot dig for the artifact if you have three powerful heroes uh protecting that area mm. so yeah, and they they made sure digging was inconvenient. Yeah, uh, they made sure that you need to spend your entire turn, and that you can't attack, move, or anything. You need to be there for the whole turn. Yeah, you you can't really just quickly guess where it is and then run away again, mm -hmm. uh, because it takes three turns just to arrive and then dig and then m run away again. So, yeah, um, this is actually uh, it, it's interesting that um, the campaign um, is not just search and destroy levels. Uh, there's different objectives per map. So on one map it might be to slay a specific beast, and, and in uh, this map it's about finding an artifact. Um, yeah, and most of the other levels are just destroy everyone, though. But, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that, though. They're, they're just slightly different because 
Um, I think on levels uh, four, five, six, or five, six, seven, something like that, you're defeating all the other lords, which are the races that you're not. Yeah. So it's a one-on-one -on -one fight, and then at the end again, it's uh, it's uh, free for all. Yeah. So there, there's some variety, perhaps not as much as I expected at the start, because the first couple of missions are very varied. But uh, mm. but it went halfway. Yeah, I think yeah. And also, I remember never ever playing the campaign to begin with. I just played standard games. That's the way I played this series. Uh, so actually, now for the club was the first time that I tried the campaign. Uh, I yeah, I just played this game in skirmish uh, sessions. That's that's what I did. So it it's it for me the campaign almost seems like an extra thing, and I was sort of surprised that everyone yeah seemed to dive into the campaign. I was like, well, what are you doing? And then <laughs> then I, yeah, it actually makes sense now that mm. I think about it, but. I suppose yeah. I suppose that coming from a modern perspective, we expect games to have this uh, start and end progression through levels. Yeah. And uh, but but in a game that's like Civilization, where it just sets up a game at random and you play that. Yeah. Uh, I can see that I can see that the standard game is perhaps the way that you're uh, expected to play it. Yeah, and it's also called a standard game. You know, it's it's just <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah the default way for me. And it, it just like what you say, games like Civilization, they don't have a campaign. They they just have a game that goes on forever. And then once it's over, you start a new one. <laughs> that's that's how it is. Uh, so yeah, for me, I never really considered the campaign before. But nowadays, actually, it makes much more sense. So yeah, the campaign is sort of a modern uh, way to, to look at this game. But I think uh, Heroes 2 has a randomized map option. And uh, certainly the, the map, when you play it, even on standard mode, has a little bit of random hmm. uh, resources and stuff in it. So it's not completely predictable. No, I, I even um, I read that they made a uh, an update to this game, released in 1996, just one year later, because the, the original Heroes of Might and Magic, it was released in 1995. Um, the same year that Command and Conquer was released, by the way, just to get a feel for the time. Mm -hmm. um, but the updated version from a year later um, was Windows 95 compatible, and it included a map editor mm -hmm. and also a random map generator. So, yeah, this uh, this update really made it um, yeah more replayable. Uh, and yeah, the sequels also had this. I really like the uh, the map though. Like I just, you know, if you when you start the game and you see all these random resources and like the uh, the wooden mills and the the ore, um, uh, the, all those resources you can get, gather, and it, I think it's really cool way of kind of having the game in stages. Like first you um, explore your local area and then you try mm. and get get control of some resources and then you know you start attacking things and then uh, at some point it becomes more of a uh, stalemate trying to build up the best army so you can conquer the other player um, but uh, uh, it, uh, it kind of really it progresses each time so you you know when you start it's it's almost like it's um, you know you're gaining levels as a as a uh, adventurer or something you you have to start small and, and then gradually uh, take on ho uh, diff more difficult things and I think this is really cool because it, it gives the game um, a flow instead of just being the same thing all the time yeah Definitely. And then, you know, some of the resources are, are finite. So you have some, not just the sort of the money and stuff you can find lying around, but also the experience, the, the treasure chests. So you have to make the decision whether you want the, the experience or, 
or gold and uh yeah i think it's it, it gives the game a little bit more sort of um different ways of playing it i guess absolutely yeah yeah there's different stages and they're all really nice so you just go from yeah the the knowing nothing and then exploring the map and then yeah you you gradually uh get a hold of of the area and it just it just feels really nice in every stage of the game because obviously in the end when you're you have got a super powerful hero then it's just awesome to uh yeah just dis- destroy everything you see in your path <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm. it's i think the only really frustrating part is when you try to end the game and you you've played for so long that everyone has like you know 50 dragons or whatever mm. and you really you know you just have to throw things at at uh, the enemy and you know you're going to win but it just takes forever to get there and you know the like the uh ballista in the in the castle is really strong so it can really be frustrating to try and attack the last massive castle where yes. yeah it, so it is a little bit frustrating when you get to it's very obvious who's going to win, but you know it, it's like you know yeah. it's like um, finishing Risk or something like that. Yeah. Where you just have to <laughs> yeah. power through. Just a long drawn out mop up operation, mm-hmm. and you can also make it even a lot longer if you're playing it at, at five o'clock yeah. in the morning and you're not really uh, focused anymore, and you stop, you, you forget to <laughs> station some um, some new units in the towns that you just conquered. And you move on with your hero, and in the meantime, yeah. the enemy takes back, back oh, the, yes. the city, and you don't realize, and you go back there, and you capture it again, and you move away again. And I think that's uh, an expanded <laughs> level too, but at least an hour for me. Yeah, same for me. I, I actually, I, I find it a little bit annoying as well with the um, AI because they they kind of it feels like they know when when you don't have any defense in the town, and maybe you know maybe they have this because they have um, the thief skill in their town, but I, I always suspect. They just know because you know they have access to all of the memory in the computer. But um, it, it's yeah, I think it's a slightly annoying that they can kind of because you can walk quite a big distance and you can walk kind of from an unseen position and straight into mm. your castle and just take it. Obviously, you can get around this by having some scouts or whatever. But you know who has time for scouts? Um, and <laughs> yeah, I, I, I find it quite difficult to strike a balance between being able to defend and being able yes, to exactly. take units out to expand. Yeah, but that's yeah. the that's the core of the game, maybe, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's the idea. That that's why there's a game. <laughs> <laughs> so um, mentioning that sometimes the game can be a little bit frustrating. Um, maybe it's interesting to look at some contemporary reviews. Um, yeah, that's very fitting. Yeah, because the game got some bad reviews because the AI seemed to cheat. Yeah. Ah. Well, in in general, the the reviews and the scores the game got, they seem to be all over the place. Yeah, it's ranging from from a normalized uh, 40 to 100% uh, depending on who you ask. So um, sometimes the, the game is blamed for being boring and sometimes it's blamed for its terrible battle screen and I think graphics-wise that's true. Yeah. <laughs> not not as much as, as, as Martin thought it was terrible. I mean, it's not terrible, it's just not really good. Well, <laughs> you know, the main, the main problem with the battle screen is that there's an underlying uh, grid. There's a hex grid that's, that's uh, below the, well, the field. But you can't see it. Yeah, it's totally invisible. So you just have to sort of guess where your units can go by moving the mouse around and then the cursor changes to where it can move or where it can't move. Yeah, that's true. And some of the animations are not exactly top class either. (laughs) No. 
No, and they're... and actually, your your units always face the the direction that uh, they started in, unless they <laughs> attack backwards. But even when you, when they're walking, um, be- when they're walking backwards, they're actually walking backwards, <laughs> so they don't turn around and walk yeah. forward. They walk backwards. They, yeah, they do the moonwalk, <laughs> Mike yeah. Jackson style. Yeah, that that looked a bit. Uh, <laughs> That looked a bit odd to me when I first saw it, but I mean, come on, you get used to it and then you can just keep on playing. The other thing that I found weird about the battles in particular, but perhaps the game in general, was the sound. Hmm. Uh, Because the battle is punctuated by these absurd grunting and squawking noises (laughs) where where people go, ah, ooh, ooh. And it kind of reminded me of when independent games were just going through sound libraries and just scraping together whatever sounds they could get. Yeah. Because it it sounds like the program is just making noises into a microphone. On the other hand, it it, it makes the game almost playable by ear. So you you hear a certain sound and you know, oh, cool, I got a morale boost and I get get to attack again. Or uh, you hear the sound and you know what's going on 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 screen. Mm -hmm. And that, Mm -hmm. that was very cool, I thought. So they're very distinctive. Yeah, you could say that, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the sound effects are actually just people from the office yes. recording <laughs> into a mic, just going, bleh. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> because it sounds like that to me. But yeah, I don't know. I, actually, we, we looked at the credits. There, there's quite a sizable team uh, to this game. And there's a dedicated sound effects person. So uh, I don't know. They seem to have, s- there was someone in charge of this. Guess this person had a lot of fun. Do they have any credits on future games? Um, <laughs> Good question. I, I didn't look up this particular person. It might just be uh, an intern or a child. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but if we quickly go back to the contemporary reviews, um, because it did get some some yeah mixed reviews. You could you could say that, but it also got some really good ones. Yeah, it got. Uh, ecstatic reviews almost um so one one quote would be for example taken as a whole heroes of might and magic is probably the one best war game for people who hate war games <laughs> yet released even diehard grognards who turn their nose at fantasy fluff may get a kick out of it if they can just pull themselves away from their panzers for a while <laughs> 100 out of 100 points oh wow yeah this is insane a that's, 10 out that's, of 10. Was that, written by, was that written by the director's mum? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but uh, the, the funny thing is that this was from Computer Gaming World, and Computer Gaming World also gave the game um, an award for Best Strategy Game. Wow, yeah. And that's really something in 1995, because that was competing, actually, with Command & Conquer, which was the strategy game of the year. So. Yeah, but uh, to to say the truth, it tied with Command and Conquer, so they were both first place actually in this uh, specific in, uh-huh. in this specific magazines, uh, whatever you call them, awards or ranking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But still. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember a, a TV program at the time called Bad Influence, which was the only games program on British television. Um, that also said Command and Conquer. It's amazing. It's a war game that isn't boring. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, there was this trend, I think, of making them more accessible to people at the time. Yeah, I think that there was a time when DOS games were very much associated with this kind of slow-paced, turn-based, just looking at numbers, that sort of gameplay. Mm. And then in the 90s, they were very keen on on changing this and making it more appeal to the mainstream audiences by uh, making it more action-focused and more, yeah... So, but this game, in in a way, this game is quite old school, actually. Uh, to me, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a 1995 game. Um, 
if this game had been released in 1992, I would have believed it uh, because it it feels like such a game. But yeah, for 1995, I can see some. Yeah, I can see where the reviewers might be coming from because mm. compared to, for example, Command and Conquer, it's it's not very flashy at all. This one. Thing is, I've, I found um, I found a website uh, where they had all the data for all the units. So if you really want to, you can you know crunch the numbers and and know. You know what's going to happen when you go into battle. I don't know if that was just um, mm. like reverse engineer or if that was in in the manual. But um, yeah, they, there's a bunch of stats and you can see exactly what's going to happen. And you know, it made me realize that things like um, having uh, a luck penchant or something like that is actually really powerful because it, it maxes your. Uh, uh, no, that that gives you an extra strike. But um, what is it? Uh, uh, I think bless the spell. Oh, there's blessing. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, bless it maxes your your attack, and if you have, you know, some creatures that have a big range of how much damage they do, that can be a total killer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is more in line with the old RPG style that you you have all these numbers and you just roll the dice. Well, it's not that random though, but it's it's a bit like that. It's a bit like you have these stats and then just go against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found myself. When I was doing the battles, I was occasionally I would crunch some numbers in my head, like okay, I have thirty of these units, and they do two to four damage. So that means like the maximum damage is whatever, and the minimum damage is whatever. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It's very much that. That's where the game is coming from. Yeah, and I think I think the the biggest uh, biggest tip from Heroes of Magic is to just have um write down what the different. Um, sort of uh, sizes means because there's like a gang of uh, griffins or you know a, 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 what is it a unit of um, of skeletons and it means the world to know what that actually means like is that is a gang is that five is it ten is it a twenty people like it, you know and then you, you don't have the same surprise when you try and attack you know a bunch of um, of dwarfs and there's suddenly a hundred dwarfs <laughs> attacking you <laughs> yeah what, what you mean is that when you are roaming the map yeah uh, you can see that there's a, a group of monsters, but you can't see how many exactly, but it will give you a vague description. So it will say a pack of wolves or uh, lots of wolves. or uh, And you you have to sort of guess if is a pack more than lots or is lots actually more? Or Yeah, you have to get a sense for this. But And I really like that they use words instead of uh, just numbers because it gives you, you know, bit more of a description but they really should say you know oh you know it, there's a pack of goblins well it looks like you know around yeah. 10 or something you know because it's a pack yeah. bigger than a band yeah i guess zounds no. zounds is more zounds, zounds is always more <laughs> zounds <laughs> you can get the actual number in game um there's a magic spell that you can use that reveals the exact number yeah there's a spell to do that ah. mm, so it's hidden on purpose yeah so i'm cheating then right <laughs> Maybe we should talk a little bit about um, the developer and where this game came from and stuff like that. Because um, it actually has quite a rich history. Um, this game was created by a guy named... Well, yeah, he actually is... A, it's an American, but he has a Dutch name. So I can pronounce it in the Dutch way, which is Sean uh, van Kanegem. Uh, but I don't think he goes by that name because he's actually in America, American-born. So he's probably John van van Kenigem, something like that. I don't know. How would you how would you pronounce this name, uh, Josh? That's how I would pronounce it, John van Kenigem. Yeah, John van Kenigem is probably how he's how he's known. Um, 
And uh, he he founded this company called New World Computing back in 1984, I believe. Uh, and he, uh, I think he he founded the company specifically for uh, the Might and Magic uh, RPG series, uh, which he also made by himself. I think the first one is just him on his old uh, home computer in the 80s when he was still in college or something like that. And then, yeah, he needed some kind of vessel to to release and publish this game. So he founded this company and he made uh, a bunch of games. Uh, and then in 1990, he, he also worked on uh, King's Bounty, which was released by, by New World Computing. And I'm not sure if the game was really received that well, because then for five years, they didn't do any strategy games at all. So... Uh, yeah, it 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 kind of stopped right there, and and the Might and Magic games, meanwhile, got really uh, popular, and and they made loads more, and it, it became a huge franchise. And then at one point in 1995, they uh, they decided to to have another go at the strategy uh, angle, and they wanted to tie it in with the Might and Magic universe that they created. So I think this is where Heroes of Might and Magic comes from. Um. They got quite a sizable team, as we mentioned in the credits. There's a, about 20 or 30 people listed there. So that's, for the time, that's really quite quite a large team. We've discussed many more games in our club, which were made by, by a lot less people than this. Um, a lot of these people are in, uh, in quality assurance and stuff like that. So that's... Well, I, I think the game, in general, also performed quite well. It didn't really crash or... or Anything happened to me? I don't know if you guys had any problems, but I think all in all, the none at all. No, I think never crashed at yeah, all. Yeah, so the game was quite quite polished, actually. Um, some notable people in the credits are um, well. There's someone mentioned uh, as the the game's designer. That's Debbie von Kennegan. So I assume this is his wife or maybe his sister. I don't know. It's someone who shares the surname with John. Uh, and there's also Phil Steinmeier, who was the lead programmer, but also was involved with the design. So I suppose these these, these are really the key people who uh, who made this game. Um, there's also Julia Ulano, who did the art direction. There were several artists working on this game, but, but she uh, seemed to be in charge of tying it all together. Uh, and then there was uh, Paul Romero doing the music, uh, and I think we'll talk about the music later because the the music is really something. Uh, yeah, I think it's quite an achievement uh, what they did. It's it sounds really good. I also uh, quickly looked up the uh, sound designer ah. who made all of those excellent sound effects. Yeah, and it looks like he did actually go on to make sounds for most of the Heroes of Mind Magic games. Huh. And uh, medieval. Okay. And EverQuest and oh, wow. a lot of games. So wow, those I guess are... he did pretty well for himself after Ears of Mind Magic. Yeah, these are these are really uh, big titles. So yeah. yeah, okay, well, good for him. Oh, and he was also on uh, the Bard's Tale. Oh yeah, I I'm not sure if that was also maybe a new world computing game or not. I'm not sure now. The Bard's Tale was a huge RPG though at the time. It was really a big deal. We should look into that for the club, maybe. No, it was by Interplay. 
But still, this... Uh, uh, it looks like he was actually on the uh, PlayStation 2 mm, release. Right, but still. Yeah, I, uh, the original is from the 80s, I think, so it probably doesn't have yeah. a lot of uh, digital sound effects at all now. Um, so yeah, that's that's the New World Computing uh, Company by John van Kennegem. Um Now, actually, his company got purchased in 1996 by 3DO, which is one year after Heroes of Might and Magic was released. Um, yeah, the 3DO company was really trying to get their foot between the door in the in the gaming industry. So they they had their own console, I think. And uh, I'm I, I don't know a lot about 3DO, but they bought New World Computing, probably with the idea to be a big name in the PC industry as well. Uh, but then they went bankrupt in 2003 already, a few years later. So yeah, it didn't really work out. Uh, yeah, that's the whole history of the game, really. Uh, I looked him up, what he's doing now, John Van Kanigam. He's now involved with some kind of mobile uh, development thing. He's founded a company called VC Mobile Entertainment, and he's making games for Android and for iOS. And I think just in 2017, they they released their uh, first game, Creature Quest, which seems to be very much like Heroes of Might and Magic, actually. Uh, some kind of blend of strategy and RPG role-playing and turn-based and all this stuff. So, yeah, he seems to be still... This this still seems to be his mindset, this sort of fantasy turn based strategy stuff. So yeah, he's, he's still at it. So I saw there's um, at least two online versions of Heroes. Uh, hmm. One one was which um, made for the Chinese market called Heroes of Might Manager Online, okay. which was released in 2008, and then it got it went offline in. 2014 mm. and there was also one called Might and Magic Heroes Online which seems like a mix of Heroes of Might and Magic and a more like RPG um, Might and Magic mm. and um, I haven't tried either of them but uh, yeah the the spirit kind of still lives on even though um, you know now the, the graphics looks amazing but it still seems to be some sort of strategic uh, grid based system and uh, yeah I couldn't find much of the um, the Chinese game but it, it seemed to have uh, a Chinese and well, there's a Russian fan site as well mm. on the Wikipedia article. But uh, yeah, um, so I guess this is just uh, you know um, other companies building on the same idea. But uh, it, the, you know, it's not that long ago no. since we were in 2014. Yeah, yeah. I think also this game was pretty influential in general. Um, I remember that that Warcraft. I think it was Warcraft three. Who had the whole hero thing going on? Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, I'm pre- yeah, I'm pretty sure that must have been based on this. I mean, they must have been aware of of Heroes of Might and Magic, and then thought because it's it's sort of the same thing, isn't it? It's these super units going around. Mm, except one thing in Heroes of Might and Magic, the heroes just sit there; they do nothing. <laughs> I mean, they can cast, <laughs> cast spells, but it's just like I have a knight as my hero, and he just like in his tent. What is yeah. he doing? Like having a nap? <laughs> the, the tent is the funniest thing. Yeah, he's 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 a, he's a knight. He's not really a knight. He's more like the the, the knight manager. He's like uh, <laughs> he's the lead knight who doesn't do any actual knighting. He's uh, <laughs> he's just he talks to the board and he makes sure that the people have what they need. <laughs> And yeah, he just sit there in the tent. 
Yeah, he's a, he's like a knight who went into knighting for the ladies and for the fame rather than the <laughs> battles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the really uh, courageous uh the you know the the old warlords, they go in front of the army, but this these heroes, they don't go in front of the army, do they? They go behind they the army. They don't arms. go at all. <laughs> For at least the, the sorcerers and the um, the warlock, you know, they, they, their job is to cast spells. That kind of makes sense. But the knight should be mm. at the front, right? He should be whatever the sword. Yeah. Doesn't he even have a sword in, in the... No, he's got a lance, right? They all have lances. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it feels like a weird thing that he's like just waiting for all his creatures to die and then he yep. runs off. Yeah, same with the barbarian, really. He has no excuse. <laughs> He's just a barbarian who sits in a tent, watches his units die. What kind yeah, of barbarian right. does that? <laughs> yeah. And this doesn't it's... change, does it? I think even in Heroes 3, they still sort of don't interact. It's only other hmm. games like Master of Magic where the hero is actually participating. Or am I misremembering completely? I, I can't remember. But No. Yeah. I'm... No, I think you're completely right. Because it just feels like it's. it would have been... I guess the problem is, you know, what happens then if you hear or die, blah, blah, blah. But uh, that's another way of making that uh, the battles work. But I, in, either way, it doesn't it doesn't hmm. matter. It's just a funny uh, sort of touch of, of doing the gameplay. Yeah. I have another counter argument for the idea that um, Blizzard got the idea for the hero thing in Warcraft 3 from Heroes of Might and Magic. And that is that StarCraft was made in between those two games. And there are no heroes um, that are more than just stronger units. So, hmm. And uh, StarCraft was released three years after Heroes of Might and Magic. So I guess uh, when they just started working on StarCraft, that must have been around the time when Heroes of Might and Magic was released. So Blizzard would have been um, aware of this thing by then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, are there any other games who have this sort of... Uh... Yeah, this super unit who is carrying other unit is that uh, is that a mechanic that you see in other games now? I mean, the only thing I can think of is the one of the games I really like, which is the um, uh, Magic the Gathering game uh, from I think ninety ninety four ninety seven, where you basically run around in a world collecting cards, and then all the battles are you know with the cards. So you hmm. you're you're this creature, but you don't really do anything in the, in the battles because if you lose you don't die you just lose a card right that's the only kind of similar thing i can think of hmm. um okay shall shall we talk a little bit about um the graphics maybe because um we've talked about uh the gameplay and 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 other stuff but but how does it actually look I have mixed feelings about the graphics. So on the world screen, I think it looks really well, uh, really nice. And I like the, the art style of all the artifacts and cities and heroes and all of that. And in the battle screen, you suddenly get those those very big sprites that are mm. rather de detailed, but still look like cartoons. So I don't like them as much as the um, overworld or the overview map of the world. Yeah, you get you get the impression yeah. that there are several people working on this and they're not completely in line with how cartoony or how serious right. this game really is. So even the city screens fit very well to the overworld or to the overview map, I think, but just the battle screens they don't. And then you see the city when you're attacking a city, it looks completely different from um the city in the city screen. Yeah, there's just a wall. And and that's it. Yeah, right. You can actually tell sometimes in the city screen when they have the the units like in the in the little images for the buildings. 
mm-hmm. and it's like they just look so out of place. Yeah, because it's just this little cartoony character inside of a more realistic looking building. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit all over the place. Um, they did they did reuse some of the graphics for the sequel though, uh, and I think interestingly they replaced a lot of the um, uh, the creature animations and the sprites. So I think they were aware that that these were not the best looking uh, monsters they had drawn, because they kept a lot of the uh, the other visuals, the, the the overview map and the city screens. A lot of the, a lot of those are the same in the in the next game, uh, but they replaced some of the monsters. So yeah, it's it's um, from a technical point of view, it's it's not bad, is it? I think it's running in six forty by four eighty. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, but two uh, two hundred fifty six colors. Um, that's uh, sixteen times more than the game we played last month. Um, yeah, and actually, I think the the two hundred fifty six colors always work very well in such games. I think, and the high resolution mm. uh, makes the game rather playable. I could not really imagine playing the main screen in a lower resolution. Could you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because uh, another game from the same year that we already mentioned was Command & Conquer. I think Command & Conquer runs half of this resolution. Uh, so it's, yeah. I think the Windows version of Command & Conquer can do it too. Hmm. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. Command & Conquer has been a while for us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty detailed and it's, it's good looking in that, in that regard. I mean, lots of colors and uh, super VGA going on. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's all 2D, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, there's no 3D anything. It's all just 2D bitmap sprites drawn. Yeah, there, there's, yeah. there's some perspective drawing, but it's all hand-painted, I think. Yeah, which, yeah, it's it sort of looks good, but sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> That's. Uh, I mean, even the parts that don't look so good still look better than many things we've seen in other games in this club before. Mm, so Definitely, definitely. I, I wouldn't say it's a bad-looking game. It's just a bit quirky, maybe in some places. Yeah. But all in all, all in all, I like the graphics. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels a bit amateurish. Like, it, it, yeah, I've seen jam games that sort of have these vibes, like like sort of thrown together. Yeah. But yeah. like, I think there are several of the unit sprites. Like, some of them have black outlines, and some don't. Mm. Just a lot of little mismatches like that. Yeah. Exactly. And this makes it all feel a bit, yeah, not very professional or triple A uh, class. But yeah, oh well. I guess they were focusing on the gameplay and that worked out. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, now that's for the graphics department. Um, we talked a little bit about the digital audio sound effects. Um, but there's also a CD audio music. Uh and I think it's really, really well done um, because I, just before these, yeah, just before this game was released, it was really uh, almost all the games had MIDI music. That was just the norm. Um, and this soundtrack sounds a lot better than than what you would expect on average with your MIDI uh, soundtrack. So. Yeah, I think the quality of this of this uh, of the music in this game is actually quite good, 
and and the compositions as well. They're it's sort of uh, classical music, something like that. It's a bit, but yeah, it's it's quite cinematic, or maybe I, I don't. I'm not sure if that's the word, but it's yeah, it's it's not as as amateurish as the graphics sometimes are. The music is really top notch, in my opinion. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next subject. <laughs> You're um, the music guy in the club. Um, if you say so, <laughs> I don't remember the music that well, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I actually played without music most of the time. Hmm. Well, it is true that this game you can you can totally play it without music. I mean, it's you don't miss anything uh, in terms of you know yeah. There's no information conveyed in in the music that you need in order to play the game. So, uh, what did you think of the music, Godfire? You're uh, not saying anything. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I, I'm just thinking, um, is it the second one that has kind of this opera-style music, or is that the third one? Ooh, I don't remember. It's it's indeed one of those. It's the second order. I think the third one, I'm not sure. I think the second one actually uses a lot of the same music that's also in this one. Okay. No, I, I think the music is really good, but uh, it's also one of these games where you know, if you want to, you can just um, put on your you know your own music and and just yeah. just play it because it's um, it's really enjoyable. But it you know each turn takes a lot of time, um, so yeah. you know, if you want to just listen to some you know good music while playing a game, it's it's a great yeah. uh, way to spend your days. Right. So okay, that's the gameplay and the graphics and the sound. So I think we've covered quite a lot actually here. Um, is there something we haven't talked about that that someone would like to address? Uh, why why haven't we had you know copies of this game in 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 the last few well ten years? Hmm. I don't know. Why haven't we? Uh, I guess the whole turn based uh, strategies genre just died out slowly, didn't it? Hmm. Perhaps. Yeah. So one of the things I found while. Um, uh, during this month was that I realized that uh, in 2000 <laughs> uh, a remake was made for the Game Boy. Um, so there's a Game Boy Color release of Heroes wow. of Might Magic 1. <laughs> wow. And, um, you know, this game is, uh, I think it's quite hard to, you know, understand completely when you start playing it. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of things that are happening. There's a lot of information. And, uh, you know, if you're playing it on a, on a computer, it's it's okay because you, you can look at things, you can read things, you can kind of see what's happening. But um, playing this game on the Game Boy, like I, so I bought a copy of this Game Boy game and I played it. And, you know, the, the screen is so tiny, like the horse is basically eight pixels uh, on the map. <laughs> and, like, if you know the game, it's fine. It's portable, it's kind of fun. It's a bit weird, but, um, you, you know, you obviously don't have a mouse. But um, if you don't know the game, it must be the hardest game to understand and nothing really makes sense because... Some there's some yellow stuff on the on the road. What is that? Oh, it's gold. Okay, well, I had no idea. <laughs> it's just so many things that you can't see the detail of, and um, I mean, I, I'll try and, and play it because um, it's fun and it's, it's it's kind of a game I didn't expect for the Game yeah. Boy, but uh, uh, it if, I, I just I just don't think it would appeal to anyone who did, who wasn't already a fan. Yeah, this really makes the case for the for the Super VGA resolution that the game is at it's it's not um it's not just a fancy thing it's really required to understand what you're doing i can't imagine playing this on the game boy it's it's crazy (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I couldn't fathom playing this game without the right-click to view information feature. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the, indeed, just that one thing is already, and 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 the text it gives you. I mean, how can that fit on on the on the Game Boy screen? Yeah, it's very very bad. Yeah. I think I played it a bit, and I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out how to hire more heroes. Hmm. And then so I think that's so it's in the castle in this like when you go to the city hmm. so i think is it normally it's a separate uh it's a separate menu right in the in the in the towns you can just click on the higher or maybe it is associated with the cost yeah. i don't know but anyway it was like how do I, you know, how do i find out what to do about this there's no way i can do it without actually looking at the manual yeah. and you know if you if you if you haven't played a game before you wouldn't even know that this is an op- a possibility like i have a hero okay that's my hero yeah. um and uh, yeah, so it was. I think it's a really cool thing that this exists because it's a bit like uh, uh, I heard in your uh, GTA podcast. You know, there's also a GTA for for Game Boy, or maybe that yeah. was for the no. Game Boy Advance. No, I don't think so. I think it was for the original Game Boy Color as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it's crazy. Like these <laughs> these um, you know fairly modern games, at least late DOS games, actually have. A Game Boy um, version, which has such a limited <laughs> number of colors and and um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's impressive. Maybe just for comparison, the Game Boy Color has a screen resolution of 160 by 144 pixels. So uh, <laughs> yes. the, the PC version has four and a half times the horizontal resolution, uh, and they still tried to make it work somehow. It's like a Pico Eight. Uh, yeah. So that's that's my uh, my random contribution. I thought it was hilarious, so now I have a, a copy of Heroes on the Game Boy that I will never play. Did you get a physical copy? Yeah, yeah, of or, course. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I thought you would just load it into, into an emula- emulator or something like that. There's also there's also a sequel, which is a, a mix of Heroes two and three. Huh. Also for Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Even though even though the first one got a rather mediocre reception, they're like, okay, let's do another one. <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. Just... How could that be? <laughs> hmm. Well, actually, I uh, I've got a I've got a Nintendo Switch now, so I could see this game working on that. Uh, I'm playing on the train, so I could just do a few. I, I could do a few turns. The Switch in handheld mode also has twice the resolution of the PC version yeah, exactly. of Heroes of Might and Magic. So. so, so someone should make a, a, a Switch version of. I, I mean, if the Game Boy can run it, then surely the Switch can. So, go, go, developers, make this for me. I mean, uh, turn-based um, games on on a portable devices are amazing because you can just take your time and you know yeah. do your tactics instead of. You know, if the if the if you suddenly have to look up and see if you if this is your station, it doesn't impact the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's there were <laughs> I'm just uh, reading off Wikipedia, but apparently there was also a um, uh, a board game and a card game. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Based on Heroes of Might and Magic, so yeah, yeah it went. They it, went. It got quite a lot of uh, merch. <laughs> yeah, they went all the way. It was, uh, and they still went bankrupt. It's just well, they, maybe this is <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is why. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the turn-based thing for handheld totally works. I think that's also why games such as uh, Advanced Wars are, are so popular. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I think that bo- also borrows a lot from this game, like the the, the way the, the the battles develop. Uh, yeah, the maps are larger in in, advan- in Advanced Wars, but still the concept is sort of similar. Did you move on this grid? Uh, turn by turn. Yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, th- this is kind of where you have a lot of 
games like Advanced Wars and um, um, is it Final Fantasy Tactics that have the same yeah same view? But yeah, where this is different is that you have this whole exploration screen, which is kind of a whole separate game to the actual uh, battle. Which this is where I really love this game because it's just you know there's like three different games and all m- m- mixed up into one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. So. Um, did you think it it held up? Uh, you played it before, uh, Otvar. So now you played it again. Did, did was it? Um, how do you say this? What was it as good? Sentimental value? No, but also was it just as good as you remembered it, or was it just riding on nostalgia? Um, I I mean I think it's a great game, and I think I, I thought I had played the third more than than the first, but I think it's actually I played most most of the. Uh, I played more of the first than the second, and mm. I don't think I've ever tried a third one. Mm. And um, I think the second one has a little bit more um, things to do, or more creatures at least, and more uh, bigger maps uh, for the battle. Mm. And just generally, you can play, you know, use again uh, randomized worlds and stuff. But uh, in at at its heart, it's the same same game, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's great, and I think even though it has, it's a little bit frustrating, like most of the games from uh, the nineties. Um, I think it's really it's it's a kind of uh, frustrating thing that you can uh, game game or play against. Like you know, if you know there's heroes coming in to steal your castle, you can actually prepare for that. Yeah. So it's, it's a, and I think it's um, it, it's kind of fun because you can play it in many ways. You can try and win it quickly, or you can try and build up the the biggest army the world's ever seen. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'll definitely think I'll try and finish the the campaign. Um, and then probably try at least some of the newer games because um, uh, I don't think, yeah, like I said, I haven't played the third one and I think the third one is um, widely uh, received as one of the, the, if not the best one. Mm. Yeah, I think the third one's even available for iPad and and such things. So, uh, and and certainly for PC. So, yeah. Yeah. so, Josh, um, you didn't have any nostalgia for this game. Nope. Uh, you just went in fresh. So, what did you think? Uh, so, I am not generally one for the uh, turn-based strategy type hmm. genre that this game is in. Okay. I'm more of a Doom person. Right. <laughs> but, so, I went into this game kind of expecting to be... Bored. Sort of... Oh, uh, what's the term? Transiently surprised or transiently like into it, hmm. but didn't really expect to get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. But I got really into this game <laughs> and ended up like playing straight through several nights. Yeah, yeah. It's the so it's the one more turn mechanic that's really yeah. It's uh. Every time you just think, oh, I just have to do this. But actually, just means it takes hours in this game. So you just keep on playing forever. It's really addictive in this sense. But it's cool that you got into it like that. It's really... So would you recommend this game to other people then? Um, Well, I don't know if I could practically recommend it. Mm. Because, I mean, I guess if people are already into the sort of good old games like if they're already buying games off of that platform yeah then i would definitely recommend that they give this one a try Hmm. but i mean i don't think you could practically recommend to someone like on the street or in the pub yeah like 
asking, hey, what's a what's a fun game? Like, oh, there's this cool turn-based strategy game from 1995. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just need DOSBox, man. It runs great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, for anyone, for anyone who I think might have a chance of even considering it, I would definitely recommend that they give it a shot. Hmm, that's cool. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people have said some some negative comments about the graphics, but I think at least the the, the way the graphics is, it it it, um, it doesn't age too badly. It's not like it's uh, very blocky, you know, poor 3D objects from 95. It's 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 pixel art, and it's uh, even if it's not necessarily the best or the most, um, you know, they don't have the same art styles. At least it's something you can see what it mean, what it's supposed to represent. Hmm. So if you're kind of able to play games from from you know the 90s i think you can accept this graphics and just concentrate on the gameplay and then you kind of forget about the you know some some of the slightly less good sprites and the animations but uh yeah i mean it's not it's not like it's terrible it's just yeah it's a bit grinding some of the animations but i think st- stuff like the overall is pretty good and um it's good enough to ignore basically hmm. yeah totally yeah, with how popular pixel graphics are these days, I think the game doesn't look really that old, actually. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a fun take, yeah. So you also went in, uh, yeah, not being familiar with the game, Florian. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it first. So what did you think? Uh, I guess uh, I must have liked it, otherwise I wouldn't have played until five in the morning. <laughs> um, I, I mean... Um, Usually my uh, turn-based strategy game that I go to usually is a different one, but uh, this one is a nice little um, excursion from that one, one could say. So if you like uh, turn-based strategy for X games, then give this one a try. And I, I also think that within the whole 4X genre, um, this one is slightly faster paced than, than most of them. Uh yeah, and I think it also has a somewhat lower complexity in gameplay. So you you don't have to make that many complicated decisions that you have in other games. Right. So in a way, it's it's really quite an accessible strategy game. That's also yeah, you can yeah you can finish a turn in a minute or so, even in the late game. Yeah. While in other in other games in Civilization or in Master of Orion, you can spend half an hour in the late game to finish a single turn. Exactly. So so in a way, this game is actually quite streamlined and. Therefore, yeah, I, I can see a broad appeal for, for this game. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe if other 4X games are just too slow for you, then try Heroes of Might and Magic. Yeah, definitely. That's a good one. And I think they sort of lost a little bit of this in later games because they just kept increasing the map size and increased the battle's screen size. So making it larger doesn't make it faster. Yeah. Also, people shouldn't uh, misunderstand the statement. This game still takes hours for a single game. Oh, yeah. So of course. even yeah. if it's faster, it may not take a whole weekend, but it will take half a day to mm. finish uh, one mission exactly. or one game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But still, it's just a nice game to have running all the time. That's That's how I play it anyway. I just have it running all the time. And then whenever I, I have some time, I just do a few moves and then I walk away again. And I'll just do something else, but I'll just it's something that's always there for me. So uh yeah, that's that's how I like to play these turn based games. It's just something to always when you have a, an hour to spare, just there's always a game running. So uh so it's really it fits into that really well. Um Right. 
So I think that wraps it up then for Heroes of Might and Magic. Uh, one thing that we might might want to talk about is where to get it, although I'm not completely sure. I got my copy from uh, Good Old Games, which was already mentioned. Uh, this gog.com website has lots of old games for sale, uh, and it's available there. Uh, and the version they sell, they say it's for Windows, but actually... It, it runs in DOSBox just fine. So uh, so that makes it, yeah, compatible with anything that runs DOSBox. Uh, I think it's also on archive.org, but I'm not completely sure how legal that actually is. Uh, I just don't know. Um, is it also on Steam? I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, I think only the third and fifth is, is on Steam. Only right, yes. Yeah. Later yeah. games are definitely also more uh, widely available uh, but the first one yeah they did a hd remake of the third one so yeah. that's on steam yeah and that that's also the version that's on ipad uh which is yeah it's a cool game it's it's not yeah. this game but it's still it's less pixely and 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 maybe more yeah in line with what people expect from games today so yeah there's also always eBay, but for this game, it's only if you're really into collecting old boxed games. Mm. Otherwise, uh, I think the cheapest one I found was sold for around 40 euros. Mm. So that may be about the price it has when it was released. So yeah. only only do that if you're really into collecting. Yeah, and, and I would personally uh, suggest if you're going to buy a boxed copy, not just for keeping, but also for actually playing then maybe go for the second game. Uh, because I think the second game is really the one that combines both the nostalgic old-school style of the first one, but having tons of extra stuff that's really fun and really well executed, like the random map generator. And yeah, it just has a few more features that make the game really uh, more replayable. And, and so, yeah, for me, that's the version to go to. Right. Um, I think that's it then for Heroes of Might and Magic. Um, now what else is going on? So we could talk a bit about the club, or we could talk about something else first, real quick. Um, I was thinking a while about um, how to elegantly introduce this topic, but I thought, screw it, there's no elegant way to do it. And that's one of our uh, uh, discutants today has actually just released a game on Steam. Who is it? It's Josh, of course. Hey, that's me. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the game, because uh, we want to hear about it. And and it's a really cool game. Thanks. So, yeah, just um, a week ago exactly now, I released my game, The Communist Agafesto, on Steam. And it is... Wait, The Communist Agafesto? What's it about? <laughs> so it is a science fiction first-person shooter, uh, kind of in the vein of System Shock and Shock-alikes but shorter and simpler, and it is about hyper-intelligent dogs who have taken over a Soviet space station. Right. And you need to take the space station back. Mm -hmm. You're not a dog in the game yourself. No, you're not. Right. So you're fighting dogs, rogue dogs. You are fighting Laika's uh, <laughs> robotic hench dogs. <laughs> right. And it's it's a game like System Shock, um, which is actually a DOS game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So this is something that we should also check out for the club maybe sometime because this 
It's a really interesting concept. It's it's a basically a first person shooter, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But what what sets what what makes it a shocker like instead of a, a Wolfenstein or a Doom clone? So one of the big things. So gameplay wise, it's more about uh, the fact that you can get like player upgrades, and it's kind of a survival situation that you're in so you have to find items around and so you're not just picking up weapons and shooting them but you're also picking up Hmm. random objects and finding other ways to use them and story-wise it's not so much of a linear narrative where you fight from one level to the next but you're picking up data pads that kind of explain the story of what's happened on the space station right and kind of maybe make the player rethink what they're doing as they as they play through the game. That's super cool. And and the game is available right now on Steam? It's available on Steam and itch.io. Cool. That's super cool. And it's called uh The Communist Dogafesto, I believe. That's it. So, yeah. We should mention that this is not a DOS game though. So, you will be able to play it on your modern computer. Oh. That's will there be a DOS game ever? A, a DOS version? Uh, I don't think so. No. Ah, the wrong answer. Ah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think we will put a link to your um, Steam page and itch.io on the um, podcast episode description, and hope lots of people buy the game because uh, the parts that I've played so far are really cool, and I think everyone should play it. Definitely. I hope they do. Buy it, everyone. Buy so, it now. Yeah, DOS DOS Game Club members making games. That's. That's something we can endorse. Um, Now, to move on to other club matters. Um, What's going on right now, since it's February, I'm trying to say the month February uh, without choking on it. (laughs) We've been taught how to pronounce the word correctly. (laughs) There's an R after the B. How can you pronounce that? Uh, It's it's easy. You don't. You just say February. (laughs) Yeah. What's... Oh, yeah, February. Okay, just pretend there's no R. Okay. Yep. Right. So it's February, and we're playing uh, Transarctica, uh, which is a uh, French game by a developer called Silmaris. Uh, it was, or actually, what's it called? Silma, Silmarillis? Is that it? Yeah. Yes, like, like the magical gems in um, the Silmarillion, mm, apparently. Right. Uh, which is uh, some of the the um, mythology behind the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but that's yeah. There's none of that in the game. No, uh, no. It's from 1993. Oh, well, no, now that we think of it, uh, it has some thematic similarities. But uh, let's not go into detail. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but anyway, it's a it's quite an obscure game, uh, and it's really interesting to to check it out. Um, I haven't played much myself, but I believe you have played some, Florian. Yeah, I tried it. Um, the last time we talked about it, I didn't know anything about the game, and now I know a bit about the game. And I think the um, the whole story and the setting of the game is rather cool. And um, once you get used to the controls, which are not so easy because it's entirely played with the mouse, but you don't know where you can actually click without looking it up in the, ma- in the manual. Hmm. Um, once you get used to that, uh, I think there's a rather deep and interesting game behind all of that. Right. So what's 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 happening is that the world is frozen over because of uh, some experiment the humans tried in 2022, actually. So not huh. not long in the future. Oh boy, not far into the future. Um, 
where they tried to stop the greenhouse effect and the experiment went a little bit too well and the game is then in 2700 something and the whole world is frozen over and we're trying we're playing the the captain of the transarctica which is a huge giant train roaming the frozen earth and who's trying to find the sun the find the sun yeah it's it's behind the the clouds because of uh, this experiment that i talked about mm. and it's really cold on Earth, obviously, if it's completely frozen over, and we're trying to restore sunshine onto the Earth. Ah, okay, that's cool. So you're you're riding this giant train, that's that's the main thing, through the snow? Which you stole from the Viking Union. That's an important ah, thing, I think. Right. And and you encounter mammoths along the way, I believe? Yeah, you, you can capture mammoths that you need to fight um against the Viking Union again. Because the Viking Union are the guys who want to to keep the Earth frozen the way it is. Because they make a lot of money this way. Right, because the Vikings, they really like the snow. Yeah. So, yeah, no sun for them. This is a game that, that could appeal to you, Otvar, I believe. Uh, yeah. Being a Viking. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> I've never heard of this game before, so I'm uh, uh, I'm coming in, you know, completely blind. Yeah, yeah, uh, same here. I've never even heard of it, let alone played it, so... I'll definitely check it out, and and we urge you to do the same. Uh, it would be great if you could play this game with us this month, and if you do, uh, please share your uh, experiences uh, on the forums. Uh, some people already have. Uh, there seem to be some people who are quite fond of this game, and uh, they've played it for years now. So, yeah, it's really cool to see that some people are really into it, and, and it's new for most other people. So, uh, yeah. Let's let's share what we can find and then, uh, yeah, let's see what happens. So that's what's going on right now. Uh, it's quite early into February, so there's still uh, lots of time to play this game. Um, and then the next month for March, uh, it will actually be our one year anniversary. Ooh, nice. Exciting. So, yeah. So uh, congratulations to... To us. us. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> <And> you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, one year of DOS Game Club. Um, and what we'll do for, for this anniversary is uh, a bit similar to what we did when we started out. Because we want, when we started, we thought we should really start with a bang. So we started with Doom, which is like this massive blockbuster shooter game everybody knows it it's 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 great so yeah we were thinking what what can we do for the anniversary that's that's uh just as just as fun and we thought why not play duke nukem 3d which is uh yeah from 1996 i believe uh developed by 3d realms and uh yeah it's huge it's uh it's another shooter game so in march we're playing another shooter game and I'm sure you're happy with that, Florian. I am. I love shooters. There you go. Except for, uh, uh, I should say, I didn't love Nightmare 3D, but I still enjoyed parts of it, even though it's a shooter. Mm. Well, this game is bound to be a lot better. Have you played it before? I, I've played a few minutes of it and a few um, parts that, that I played on a friend's computer, but never really for hours or never really experienced the whole story and... The world that it's set in so hmm. that will be a new for me oh oh that's great yeah i played the hell of a, out of this i mean this game came out when i was 13 years old so this was 
very much just made for me. This was, uh, yeah, it's a very childish game, and I was a child, so that's perfect, perfect combination. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, now, shall we also talk about what we have uh, planned for April? Ah, we should mention it at least. Yeah, so people can can prepare if they want to, you know, buy a copy on eBay or something. Um, so for April, we uh, we've looked at the suggestion forum again because we uh, we actually have a, a dedicated forum on the website uh, where you can suggest games and uh, we pick from these games the games that we play. So yeah, we we looked at the forum and we uh, saw someone uh, mentioning a game called Starflight. Yeah, I personally don't know anything about this game except for the fact that it's from yeah, no, it's from 1986. I've looked that up. Exactly ten years older than the game we will play in the month month before. Yeah, so it's it's quite an oldie, um, and it's some kind of space game, and that's it. That's all I know. So. Uh, I don't know. It was suggested by uh, DOS Game Club user Corgi Butts. So that's a great username. <laughs> uh, and I hope that uh, they will uh, join us for this episode. Uh, but that's that's all the way in April. But uh, yeah, so so this is the plan for the coming months. Um, and this has been it. I think I think this is all done. So uh, thank you for uh, for being here, uh, Otvar and Florian and Josh and and David and yeah. David who has left. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, and and thanks for listening, of course, to us talk about Heroes of Might and Magic, which is uh, yeah a game we all we all turned out to love a great deal. So this is uh, well, this is cool. This is actually it. You know, it makes me happy when games that I enjoy they they end up being enjoyed by all so this is uh this is really cool yes sir you have great taste <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's it i suppose then um see you all later guys bye bye see ya. have a good one